Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Cole McNeely. Coming up, we'll take a quick look at one of the top stories from thecentersquare.com and later regional editor of the Center Square, Bruce Walker, and Wisconsin reporter Ben Yount will take a deeper dive into some of the top stories of the week. Coming up right after this on Wisconsin in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com, thecentersquare.com. Voters in Wisconsin will be able to use ballot drop boxes in the next election. An appeals court in Madison on Monday unanimously ruled against a Waukesaw County judge who said drop boxes are not permitted under the state's election laws. The appeals court says there's not enough time to let voters know that ballot drop boxes aren't allowed. Some ballots for the February 15th primary election have already been mailed, and some of them say voters can return their ballots to drop boxes. To read more about this story and many others, visit thecentersquare.com. Now for a closer look, it's Bruce Walker and Ben Yount. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Bruce Walker, regional editor for The Center Square, and we're recording this podcast on Thursday, January 27, 2022. And we're talking to Wisconsin reporter Ben Yount. How you doing today, Ben? It it look it, it's all of a sudden Thursday. You know, there there there's some days where the the, the week just so, seems to drag by, and then there are other days where all of a sudden you turn around, and you you look and you realize that the weekend is in sight. You know, the weekend begins on Friday. Yeah, so you, you have the countdown to the weekend early Friday morning, and then of course Saturday Sunday. Uh, but but Thursday the weekend's in sight, so it's it's just so close. I cannot wait. Oh, you're starting to sound like Mike Reno, the lead singer for Loverboy. <laughs> I am working for the weekend. That is, everyone is working for the weekend. That is that is the truth. Wow. I'm so glad that you picked that one up because uh, fellas your age are kind of, you know, a little clueless. I mean, look, if, those... if, if Loverboy had a second hit, I don't know it. <laughs> well, I, I know that Reno did a, uh, a, a duet with... Uh, one of the Wilson sisters from Heart, but uh, for the life of me, I could not tell you what it is, but I'm fairly certain he wore a red bandana around oh. his forehead. Oh, not a good look. Now, in, in, in le- unless you're in, unless you're in Aliens, that, that the red bandana is, is is not a good look. Not a good look at all. I think it worked for Olivia Newton-John, though. True. Well, most things work for Olivia Newton-John. She could, she could wear a paper bag and it would work for her. Sure. Sure. Well, let's let's get started. And uh, enough of this tomfoolery. There, what the the big announcement today? Uh, it looks like it's going to be a throwdown in the Wisconsin gubernatorial race. Yeah, this was this was a a, a bit of breaking news, not unexpected. Uh, this was something that everyone sort of knew was coming. It just was the question of when Kevin Nicholson. 
announced here the, the day that we're taping this today, Thursday, that he is officially in. He's running for governor on the Republican side uh, here in Wisconsin. The general election is, is, is this November. And Nicholson has recently taken a very hard tack, hard stand, uh, the strategery of it all to fight against the Republican Party itself as much as he is running against Governor Tony Evers. Now, the the short version I, of I, this, story, I, I have to stop you right there. You actually did a a George W. Bush reference in the in the middle of all of this. This is this is how ingrained that word has become in the lexicon. <laughs> that originally it started out as the joke, the, the Will Ferrell joke, but it has been used so so and so and so and so and so often that it now is just part of the conversation it's it, totally oed now it is yes it, it, it the only other thing that i have to fight myself for ever saying is Milwaukee from wayne's world because <laughs> the good land up here is you hear that all the time and if i don't actively fight it in my head it will actually come out of my mouth as as Milwaukee. <laughs> and so yeah strategy just slips straight through but 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 that is uh, you know, the, the, I, I cannot go full Wayne's world with with the, the reference to, to the beautiful city, just 25 miles to my east. But uh, but, you know, Nicholson's strategy here is to paint himself as the outsider, to paint himself as the guy who will fight uh, the, the the quote that he had. He, he announced that he's running over at uh, a, a place called Wisconsin right now which, by the way, runs an awful lot of Center Square stuff. I, I I looked at their story count the other day, and I have been mentioned 695 times on their website. So uh, plug for them, plug for us. But the quote from his op-ed is, I won't strain from worthy battles, and I never bend the knee to the woke mob or the political class. I lead from the front, and I don't back down, much to the chagrin of many insiders. Well, that's kind of interesting, uh, considering that uh, Robin Boss, who uh, several days ago you wrote about, mm -hmm. was uh, basically telling him to stand down uh, in favor of Rebecca Clayfish. Yeah, this is this is the this is the split, and this is where Nicholson is trying to make his his maneuver. By the way, a lot of this I lead from the front stuff. Nicholson is a a, a Marine, and he's very proud of his time. Uh, as as a marine and his his time as a as a commander of, of troops and so you'll hear as, you'll as hear well, as well he should be yeah, and, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and, and and let's let's thank him for his service yeah oh absolutely absolutely so you'll you're you're going to get a lot of a lot of that kind of of talk from him but yeah it wasn't just Robin Voss and and Voss who is for anybody who is new to the Wisconsin and Focus podcast Voss is the assembly speaker he is probably the most powerful Republican lawmaker at the Capitol in Wisconsin. Uh, but over the weekend, there's a story that the uh, Journal Sentinel out of Milwaukee picked up that we we reference in in our story that's that, that's up at, at uh, the Center Square, where Nicholson went after the party itself, and 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 the quote there. This was all caught on video. Uh, somebody recorded this as he was speaking to a Republican caucus meeting. He, he said, "You represent a broken machine. You're part of it." This directed at the chairman of the Republican Party here in Wisconsin, a man by the name of Paul Farrow said the machines lost 11 of the last 12 races. It will lose the next one if you are allowed to get your way. He was essentially accusing the party of trying to rig the primary for Rebecca Clayfish. And, and 
Voss made no bones about it. He said, you should sit out and wait till 2024 and allow Clayfish uh, an, an unencumbered path to a showdown with Tony Evers, because now you're going to have what is going to be a very expensive primary. Nicholson, as we also wrote earlier this week, has the backing of Dick Uline, who is a billionaire who spends a lot of money on Republican races across the country, particularly here in, in Illinois and down in, or sorry, here in Wisconsin and down in Illinois. Uh, Clayfish reported raising $3 million just last week. She's, she's got $3 million in her campaign account. Last time Uline jumped into the race for Nicholson, he spent $3.5 million. But if they have to spend that against themselves, then that means there's not as much money to spend on the race in November. Uh, this is going to get interesting very fast because as as Nicholson runs, if, if he sticks with his, his strategy that he laid out in his campaign announcement, he's not only going to run against Rebecca Clayfish and her ideas, but he's going to run against the party itself, which then begs the interesting question. So if he wins in the primary in August, is he then going to turn around and say, hey, guys, hey, Republicans who I just spent months bashing, come on out and support me because we got to beat Tony Evers. Uh, that That's a question that remains to, to be answered. But in, in all fairness, as many endorsements as Rebecca Clayfish has racked up, as many campaign donations as she has racked up, as, as popular as she is, and she's been running officially since September, she's been running unofficially uh, for a couple of years now, there are a lot of people in Wisconsin, a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives who say that Clayfish has not made the connection that they they are worried that while she is the front runner in the republican field they worry that she may not have what it takes to beat tony evers uh just just an aside for the current governor outside of of the chaos in kenosha it has been very hard for republicans to stick anything to this governor there have been no major scandals in his office uh, he has not done very much while at the Capitol in Madison. In fact, because of the way that budgets work in Wisconsin and you have a Republican legislature that drives the policy, the governor has been able to sign some very nice budgets that not only spend more, but save more. It was just earlier this week that we got a report that said Wisconsin's state budget surplus will be nearly $4 billion by next summer. Governor Evers immediately went out and took credit for that, said, look, based on my policies, we were able to, even though every single Republican group and, and Republican lawmaker in the state will tell you that the governor wanted to raise taxes and raise spending. But it's going to be interesting because Governor Evers is still mildly popular here in the state. And more importantly, his negatives aren't anywhere approaching the danger zone. So it, it is it is going to be this Republican primary. This is going to be the race. And then you know, they have a whole other race between August and November to see who's going to be governor. Uh, this this could be very expensive. And, you know, there are some people who fear that it could be very nasty as well. Wow. Well, let's 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 move along. We've already spent 10 minutes on uh, on this. So let you filed a story yesterday about something that happened over the weekend, and uh, it, it takes place in Appleton. And can you give me a little bit of background on this? It, it's more or less a uh, a workers' rights type of issue. Yeah, this is an interesting story, and it 
it didn't get a lot of attention, didn't get a lot of attention, and all of a sudden it got all of the attention, not just here in, in Wisconsin, but across the country. Uh, by the way, the, the word you're looking for there, Bruce, is Outagamie County. That's how that one's pronounced, Outagamie County. Yeah, Appleton is is, is right there, and, uh, you know, there there are so many you of these. wacky Wisconsinites it's, I, and look, your I, pronunciations. I had to, there's there's a former journalist in uh, in the state of Wisconsin uh, who runs a website that's called Mispronouncer, and it's great. It, it's this 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 woman took time to go through and it, 190 cities, 400 villages, more than a thousand towns, and a thousand unincorporated places. Learn how to pronounce them all, and it's it's a wonderful. It is a wonderful resource. I use it myself. Uh, not nearly as much, but when I first got up here, it was a, it was a daily or weekly thing. Yeah, this is, this is a, a, a spat between two hospitals, essentially Theta care and Ascension Northeast. And, and for anybody trying to picture where Appleton is, Appleton is directly South of green Bay. So you, you know, where the Packers play come just a tiny bit South through Ashwaubenon, another great Indian name, and you get down to 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 Appleton. And this is a specialized team of nurses and techs, the interventional radiology and cardiovascular team for anyone who has a job in, in medicine and is following along at home. And essentially, seven members of this team decided that they were going to leave to hear the nurses and the technicians say they, they weren't happy they didn't like the way that they were being treated by Theta Care. And so one of the nurses or techs applied for a job at the hospital across town, Ascension Northeast, was given what she said was life-changing money and a much better work-life balance. So she did what many times people do. Hey, they're hiring down the block. Um, you, you may want to put in for this. And seven of the 11 members of this specialized team eventually got offers from Ascension Northeast and eventually were ready to leave. As opposed to doing what is common in, in at least this job, hey, I have an offer, let us match it, or what can we do to make you stay? Care went to court, and they asked an Outagamie County judge to issue a temporary injunction and, and block these nurses and technicians from leaving. And, and their argument was, this, this team is critical to stroke care here in the Appleton area. And if you allow these people to leave, that care will suffer and people could die, as they said over and over and over again. And initially a judge said, okay, I'm going to give you guys the weekend to work this out. So he issued a temporary injunction on a Friday and said, you guys figure this out. Monday was the day that this Monday of this week, the week that we're taping this, was supposed to be the first day for these people to start over at Ascension. And weekend comes and goes. There's no agreement. So they're back in court on Monday. And the judge said, look, this is sad that we're here. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be having this hearing. And he listened to testimony from the nurses. The, I guess, actionable claim from ThetaCare was that Ascension poached these employees, but because these employees were at will, there was no contract, there was no no compete. The judge didn't really have anything to work with, and 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 the judge said from the bench that look, Theta Care never made the case that there was enough here to force these people to stay. Theta Care wanted them to be 
kept at Theta Care for another 90 days until they could find new nurses and such. But this was this was one of these stories that you you, you kind of had to read and say, okay, this hospital is suing to try and keep its people to stay. And I, I don't know if you've ever had a job that you've been forced to do. Most people don't tend tend not to do the best job. Uh, but yeah, this is 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 this a, a right to work story? Is this a story about using the government to do the dirty work? Is is this just sort of of an extension of of what we've seen so so much over the past two years, where somebody in in government says, "Well, you're going to do this. I don't care what you want. You're going to wear a face mask. You're going to get a vaccine. You're going to." And so this story resonated, not just here in Wisconsin as an interesting medical story, but this this got a lot of play on conservative Twitter. There were a lot of places that wrote about this little workplace spat in tiny Appleton, Wisconsin. And it, good news for the nurses and the techs, they've gotten to start their new job with their life-changing money, with their better work-life balance over at Ascension. Uh, but this one, this one was one of the more interesting stories that I've written in a while. Uh, well, I enjoyed reading it, but uh, moving ahead, let's talk about uh, what is this convention of the state's resolution that I've been hearing so much about? I mean, Wisconsin's certainly not the only state that is calling for it. Yeah, with the, 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 the convention of the states is something that I first heard about, oh, years ago. And essentially, this is a way for the states, this is baked into the United States Constitution to say, if Congress doesn't act, if Congress doesn't do something, the states can come together and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to get together and we're going to make some changes to the U.S. Constitution. And it's unclear as to sort of how that's going to work is it a limited thing uh can can you change all of the constitution but specifically this push for convention for a convention of the states because wisconsin a couple of years ago the assembly voted in support of a convention of the states for a balanced budget amendment that that was what that was what they wanted a couple of years ago let's let's balance the budget this one would deal with term limits and and i believe spending uh, but it's 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 mainly just the effort of convention of the states, and and it, it it passed the assembly easily last summer, and it barely passed the Wisconsin Senate this time. Four Republicans joined every single Democrat in the Senate in voting against convention of the states. That rarely happens. I've been covering the Capitol in Wisconsin for the better part of three years now, and I have never seen four Republicans drop their party on on any vote. Uh, you're, you're more likely to get a Democrat join the Republicans than you are a Republican join the Democrat. But, but Roger Roth, again, going back to Appleton, that's a serendipitous transition. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he expressed sort of the general frustration, the general question that a lot of conservatives have, a lot of Republicans have. Uh, he said, look, I, I agree with the problem that the legislatures or legislators are trying to fix. It's just that I disagree with the mechanism they are employing to fix that problem. To me, it comes down to two questions. Can the convention be limited in scope to just one issue? And then can it be rescinded? And that's an unanswered question. We went through this a couple of years ago in Illinois, because in Illinois, they have an automatic mechanism where every 10 years, I believe, you can call for a constitutional convention. And the idea is, hey, is there anything that we need to update? Because in Illinois, the Constitution, the state constitution was last rewritten in 1970. 
And so the last time CONCON, as it was called, was a big story. There were an awful lot of people on both sides who said, hey, if we open this up, we open it up. And while there was a push to change pensions or a a push to change uh, laws about concealed carry, there were also fears of changing laws about abortion or changing laws about taxes. And so it is a a, a fear that an awful lot of people have is that once you open up the Constitution to change, the changes may not just be what you want. Sure, a lot of people would probably agree with term limits, but you open up the Constitution to change things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like one of those Ghostbusters traps. Once it's opened, everything can come back out. And uh, so, yeah, it, it remains to be seen. Now, they, they need to get, what is it? it? Wisconsin became the 16th state in the nation to do this. It takes 34 states to trigger a convention of the states. So it's, it, it, there's still a way to go. By the way, uh, Georgia, Alaska, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Indiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arizona, North Dakota, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Utah, and Mississippi are the other states. I'm just really good at reading off a list of state names, and I wanted to brag. Wow. Hey, I got a phone book I could send you. Uh, <laughs> you maybe. I, look, I'm, gr- I'm great at hitting the commercials, man. I'm fantastic at hitting the commercials. <laughs> well, listen, um, we're getting we're running out of time here, but let's just touch on our favorite hobby horse, the greatest topic ever to be applied to the state of Wisconsin, and that is what's going on with the election i I, election I knew it was, honestly i'm flipping through i don't know that i really wrote an election uh, investigation oh, you story woke me, this you week. woke me up on monday morning with a story oh that's about right. the drop boxes that's that's oh drop boxes that's the, the this is the next shoe to drop uh real quick the wisconsin supreme court has been asked to decide this now that was the update yesterday drop boxes are not allowed under wisconsin law though Democrats and and voting activists will say, well, they're not prohibited either. So, and you had a judge in Waukesha earlier, or it was last week, say, nope, can't use them. Not at all. They're not allowed. So Wisconsin Elections Commission, tell everybody you cannot use drop boxes in the February primary. Well, a a three-judge panel in Madison this week said, well, hold on. The ballots are in the mail. We absolutely should. Let's let's not confuse voters. So the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, which brought the challenge to drop boxes just yesterday, asked the Wisconsin Supreme Court to settle this. Now, the court's been asked twice before to settle drop box issues. The first time the court punted by saying, well, the lower courts haven't ruled, so there's nothing for us to decide. The lower courts now have ruled and there's a split decision. Uh, Rebecca Clayfish also asked the court to step in. She, being a candidate for governor, said, look, I'm going to be harmed if we're allowing some counties to go beyond what state law is. Uh, no word from the court just yet. No no word as to when the hearing is going to be. No word what this is. Uh, but yet, yeah, drop boxes, if they're going to be used. Now, the, the three-judge panel, and, and I know we're, we're, we're tight on time here, but the three-judge panel in Madison only approved drop boxes for the February primary. They left open the question of what happens after that. So really what the court is being asked is, one, can we use them next month? And B, can we use them at all? And we'll have to wait and see. Stay tuned. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Wisconsin in Focus podcast. I'd like to thank Ben Yount for all of his insights and for all of his humor. 
You can read all of Ben's and mine, as well as all the Center Square stories, and listen to all of our podcasts at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor for The Center Square. Listen for us next week.